This episode of Game Master's Journey is brought to you by my patrons, readers, and listeners. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, visit LexStarWalker.com slash support. Starwalker Studios presents Game Master's Journey, your multidimensional RPG podcast. Hello, fellow gamer. Welcome to episode 290 of Game Master's Journey. I'm your host, Lex Starwalker. On this show, we discuss the craft and the art of game mastering. I've been running RPGs for over 30 years now, and I produce this show in the hopes that you can benefit from my experience, my triumphs, and my mistakes. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome to episode 290. So great to be uh, here with you today and and talk about some RPG-related stuff (laughs) and GM-related stuff. Apologies if my voice sounds a little weird. I, I've been very sick for, for over a month now. I'm getting it over it now, but but my voice still is not uh, back to where it usually is. So sorry about that. But, you know, as they say, the show must go on and hopefully it doesn't sound too terrible. <laughs> for any of you listening who are wondering... Oh, what what happened, Lex? Why were you so sick for so long? And why do you sound so terrible right now? I discussed that in depth on my last episode of uh, Lex Out Loud number 58 on novel pacing and thrillers. So I'm not going to go into that on this show because I have quite a bit I want to talk about today. But uh, if you're if you're curious what's going on with that, uh, bless your heart and and you can check that out on uh, episode 58 of Lex Out Loud. And, and also, I know that most of you listening to this show do not listen to Lex Out Loud. So I should take the opportunity to plug my other show and and uh, hope you, uh, you go check it out. Another episode I'll recommend is uh, episode 56, in which I talk about writing and game mastering. So yeah, there are some... Uh, GM relevant uh, things that I that I talk about in that episode, but uh, Lex Out Loud is my podcast more devoted to writing. But I learn more and more as time goes on that at least with my approach to writing and with my approach to game mastering, uh, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of similarities. And in fact, if uh, you go to the very first season of Lex Out Loud, the first episodes, uh, season one of that show was mostly about world building, which I know is a topic that a lot of you are really into. It's a topic I've talked about a lot on this show. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts about world building and and direct discussion of me creating a setting and um, specifically a science fiction setting, which is not something I've talked about on this show, uh, then yeah, check out uh, Lex Out Loud, uh, starting with, with episode one. So I have uh, actually done a little gaming uh, since the last time I talked to you. As as I think I mentioned before in the last episode, um, I've started playing in a mage campaign, uh, Mage the Ascension. We're, we're playing the 20th anniversary uh, version, um, and that's run by uh, one of the the players in in my Primordia D and D campaign, and he's been player in a lot of my stuff. Um, if you've watched or listened to my actual play, you probably recognize him, uh, Craig, and he uh, is running Mage for us, and we're having a lot of fun. I'm I'm actually hoping to have Craig on on a future episode. Um, we're just waiting until we get a little further into our campaign or our chronicle, as it's called in Mage, uh, before we do that, so so we have more to talk about. But it, yeah, it's been really great for me getting back to the World of Darkness system. I, I haven't played these games in a, in a long time. Those of you who have listened to previous episodes of the show probably already know I used to play and run a lot of Vampire um, I used to run a lot of Changeling, but I never actually played or run Mage before, even though I had the second edition core book for for many years. I uh, read through it a few times, but but I never was able to play it or or run it. So it's really exciting to check this system out. I, I tell you, I've I've played a lot of games with a lot of different magic systems, 
And Mage definitely has the most open-ended system that I've encountered as far as not defining or limiting what you can do with your magic a whole lot. I mean, there are some limitations that exist, but they're more limitations of scale as far as what you can do as opposed to what you can specifically do. You know, so you compare that with a game like, say, D&D that I'm sure many of you or all of you are familiar with, where, you know, you are quite limited. You know, your, your magic takes the form of specific spells or abilities that let you do very specific things. And, and that's it, you know, unless you have a very creative DM who's, who's willing to go outside the box quite a bit, you know, that's what you can do. You can't just come up with something and do it that it that isn't represented by some kind of magical spell or ability. Mage is very different. Um, they they do have some kind of what would be the equivalent to spells in D anD D, but but they're more examples of the kinds of things you can do. They're not the the end by by any means. And so yeah, the the system gives you some some kind of guidelines as far as the scale, kind of the power level of what you can do. And what facets of reality you can manipulate, but within that, um, the sky's the limit. You can do whatever um, you can come up with. So that is at the same time um, very cool and freeing as a player because you have a lot more options. But it also is more difficult from a, a systems perspective, you know, as opposed to say D and D, where you know if you want to cast a fireball. You know, you read the fireball spell and it's very spelled out exactly how that works. Any roles that might be involved, you know, all this stuff, it's, it's very cut and dry. Where in this game, uh, it's not like that. It's more a thing of the player or players and the GM or, or what's called the storyteller in these games kind of coming to a consensus as far as what, what the player's character is trying to do and then what actually ultimately happens. And even the the roles that are involved, um, there, there's interpretation that that can be done there as well. So um, yeah, it's it's like uh, I was talking with Craig in our Discord about it a few days ago, and it's like I said to him then, you know, I think this system asks a lot more of you as a as a player in a GM. There's a much higher learning curve, and there's much more in, of an investment you must make in learning how all this works to even be able to do the most basic things. But I think once you've made that investment and you start to really grok it, that um, the payoff is probably pretty huge. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. But uh, yeah, it really just allows a lot of creativity and very little limitations in, in the form of, oh, sorry, you can't do that. So, so it's really cool and, and we're having fun with it. And it's just amazing to me. I know I've talked about this a lot on this show before, but it's amazing to me how you can have the same exact players, even the same GM, although in this case, this is a different GM. Um, it's Craig instead of me. But you can have the same players and um, the way they play can be very different just based on the game that you're playing and and the way the system of the game kind of shapes how you play. You know, when we play very when we play D and D, it's very different than when we're playing Mage now, or or when we played Numenera, or when we played Star Trek. And it's just really cool to me how in this Mage game, it, it's much more narratively focused. It's much more character focused, and and that's really cool. That's you know, through the years, that's the kind of role playing that that I really prefer. Sometimes the the war gaming in D and D can be fun, and it's a fun diversion sometimes, but. When I really think to my favorite moments in role-playing games, they're they're often the moments that are more drama going on between the characters and and less, you know, rolling of dice and doing damage and losing hit points and and things like that. So it, it's just really cool how these World of Darkness games bring bring that out. Even like I said, with the, with the same players, but the play style can vary quite a bit just based on. The game that you're playing, which I think is actually very relevant and, and a nice segue into today's topic. So, so let's get into that. So, a lot of people have asked me uh, through the years doing this show. Um, a lot of you listening have asked me 
if I've ever considered designing my own RPG system. And quite a few listeners of my podcast, Lex Out Loud, my other podcast, I should say, have asked me if I've considered converting the setting that I've developed for my Cylinder City saga of novels into an RPG system or an RPG setting. And the answer to both of those questions, of course, if you know me at all, is yes, yes, I have definitely thought about designing my own RPG system. I've definitely thought of converting the setting of my novels into an RPG setting. I've actually been kicking around ideas for an RPG system for quite some time now, probably off and on for probably a few years at least, if not longer. You know, I feel like that's it's probably been longer than that even because, you know, every game I've ever played or run you know, there have always been things I liked or didn't like about a particular system. And I've always kind of kept this mental list of things I've seen in game systems that I really liked and things I didn't like and, and, and often, you know, daydreamed about, oh, what would this perfect system be that would use all the things that I like that I've seen and not use things that I don't like that I've seen. So I think it's something that's, that's been in the back of my mind for a long time. But, but I've actually, in the past few years, thought about it a bit more directly or consciously and even, you know, written out some notes of, of things I'd like to do or, or things I'd like to see. So that's what I, I thought I'd talk about today. And, and I'd share some of that with you. You know, what, what would I want from my ideal RPG system? If I were going to design my own system, what would that look like? And, and I guess really what we're talking about today is I guess what I would call design considerations. So when I sat down to try to design such a system, what are the things that I want to accomplish? So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. All right, so getting back to my ideal role-playing system or, you know, if I were going to design my own role-playing game, what what would that system look like? What or or I guess a better way to say it is what are the design considerations I would have? What are the things I would want to try to accomplish with that system? And so the first thing that I would want is I would want a classless system, which is to say a system where your characters do not have classes. Like, you know, in D&D, you can be a fighter or a wizard or a rogue or whatever. I, I, I wouldn't want that. So I'm not really a huge fan of games that have classes like D&D. I think classes in games are far too limiting and they're also kind of unrealistic. You know, no one has classes in real life. People often change what they do, often many times throughout their life. I, I know I have. For instance, throughout my life, at different times, I've been an EMT, a pilot, a server, a restaurant manager, an archaeologist, a biotechnology research assistant, a medical records person, I'm not sure what that's called, a podcaster, a YouTuber, a writer, and that's just to name a few. There's more, I'm sure I could come up with if I thought about it some more. Um, and I'm just one person. There, there are probably people who have even more eclectic of experience than I do. And, you know, good luck representing that in a role-playing game where you have classes. So it's not terribly realistic, but a game of classes is also limiting because you have to choose a trajectory for your character at the very beginning before you've even started playing the game. And, you know, especially with players who are new to role-playing games or new to a particular game, this is a very common complaint I hear, like, I have to make all these decisions about my character that's going to influence the rest of my character's career in this game um, before I've played the game, before I know anything about the game, really. And, and that's pretty tough for new players. And then, you know, once you create that character and you start playing the game, your options going forward with that character throughout the game are going to be forever limited by that initial choice you made in the class that you chose. Now, sure, some games allow you to change your class or to multi-class, things like that. 
But really, those games are just attempting to approximate or get close to the freedom that you inherently have in a game that doesn't use classes at all. So these games that use classes are also limiting because they ultimately limit your options as far as the kind of character you want to play to concepts that can be pigeonholed into one of the classes that the creators of the game came up with. So if your concept, your idea for your player you want to play or your character you want to play, if it doesn't fit into one of those boxes of one of those classes, or maybe it combines some elements from a few of those classes, you may just be out of luck. You just can't play that character. Or maybe you can play the character, but you face in-game penalties for, quote, going too broad with the character, even though your concept may be quite focused. It just doesn't fit into one of those boxes that the game designers gave you. So basically, with a class-based game like D&D and a lot of others, you know, you basically have the designers of the game, before anyone plays it, anticipating what kind of characters the players will want to play, and, and that kind of guides the classes they come up with, But, you know, those classes are always limited. There's always a finite number of those classes, no matter how many splat books they put out or or whatever. So, you know, you're going to run into times, especially the more creative you are as a player, where you're going to come up with an idea for a character that you want to play that doesn't fit those boxes. So some examples of games with classes like this are D&D, Numenera, uh, the Fantasy Flight, Star Wars games, and Star Trek Adventures. Now, they don't all call them classes, but they're the same thing with different names. So I much prefer games where you just build your character completely based on your concept, whatever that is. And you're not limited by classes or professions or whatever they want to call it in that given game. Instead, you quote, buy the abilities and the aptitudes that you want, usually using some kind of point-by method during character creation. And then you can also... Uh, through play, choose you know what what new abilities you gain um, as your character grows and and what things you get better at. You're again not limited in that by a class that you chose before you started playing. So examples of classless games include the World of Darkness games like Vampire and Changeling and also Mage. Um, now you could argue that these games still have classes. For instance, Vampire has clans and Changeling has kiss. The Mage has the traditions, but they're not as limiting as the other games that I mentioned. They really only affect your supernatural powers as far as character creation and advancement, as well as some role playing things. Honestly, I think they're much better compared to your race or species in a game like D&D than, than the class, because they really don't limit you that much. And, and for the most part, the limitation only exists during character creation. And, and it's only those supernatural abilities. When it comes to all the other things your character can do, they have nothing to do with that at all. And then as you earn XP and you spend it to advance your character, you're able to get any ability that you want. There's no limitation at all. So a great example of what I really like as far as like a classless system is from the video game world in the form of the Elder Scroll games, also the recent uh, cyberpunk game. You know, these are truly classless games. Again, you, you pick a species for your character in, in the Elder Scrolls, which has some minor impact, but not a whole lot, but you don't have a class. So you can invest in any ability you want. So you can follow the path of some kind of warrior or some kind of magic user or whatever, whatever kind of blend you like. Um, Again, another example of this kind of thing is the new cyberpunk video game. Although that game still has a lot of problems, I do really like their character creation and their advancement and, and the way their characters work as far as Um, You have different attributes and then you have different skills or abilities associated with the different attributes. But when you, quote, level up, you can put points in whatever attributes you want. One thing that these video games can do really well that's maybe a bit harder in a tabletop RPG is the game can level up your skills based on what you actually use. So as you use a sword in the game, your ability with swords gets better. As you use fire magic, your ability with that gets better. 
So the beauty of the game of a game like this and why I really like them is you don't have to decide how you want to play your character on day one before you've even played the game. Instead, you can just hop into the game, you know, make your character jump in and play the game however you want, explore, try different things, just see what you find more fun. And as you progress, you will just organically get better at the things that you do a lot. This allows you to just play the game and to discover as you play what type of character you ultimately want to play. And, and that's really cool, you know, because another aspect of this, especially if you're talking about, you know, you're playing a game you don't have much or any experience with, is, you know, in most games, not every character option is equally effective, right? You know, some characters are going to be better at some things versus others. And, you know, in a lot of games, some characters are just going to be better at the game in general than others. And as a new player, you're not going to know what those things are. So, you know, in in a class-based game, you for instance, D&D, you might decide you want to play a ranger. Um, well, what's the ranger that's so terrible? I, I haven't played D&D for a while. The uh, The hunter ranger or something like that, I think. So, you know, you decide to play a ranger or is it the one with the animal companions? I can't remember. But but let's say you pick the worst class in the game. Um, you don't know that. And, you know, you get into the game a, a ways and, and you played it enough to kind of see how everything works and you realize, oh, wow, my character kind of sucks and everybody else's character is cooler than mine. Well, in a class-based game, you're, you're stuck, you know, unless you want to make a new character. But in these kinds of games like I'm talking about, you can just start doing different things. And, and yeah, you know, maybe you lost some time or XP that you devoted into things, you know, you don't want to use anymore. But it's a lot less punishing than in a class game where you're trying to do things that don't fit the class that you chose. So, yeah, that's the other great thing about these games is they do allow you at any time during the game to just start doing something new and completely different if you want. You know, maybe you've been, you know, focusing on, you know, fighting in melee with swords or whatever, and you get so far through the game and you decide you want to do more with magic. Well, you can just start using magic more and and putting your your points you get, you know, from XP or whatever into your magic stuff, you know, or you can do any kind of blend that you want. And, and that's really cool. And, you know, I really appreciate the flexibility and I really appreciate not having to make these binding decisions at the very beginning of the game before you've ever played. And, and I appreciate the ability of, you know, the game to kind of meet you where you're at, where you're at and, and your ability to just play how you want and, and the game adapts to you and you get better at the things that you do. I really like that. So yeah, the first thing I would want is a game where there are no classes. The next thing I, I'd want ideally is a game where there are no levels. So this kind of goes along a bit with not having classes, I think. But to me, levels have always been an unrealistic abstraction that I've never really been much of a fan of either. The only real benefit I see to having levels is to supposedly help you as a GM in encounter design. And, and theoretically, the idea here is that if the PCs have levels and the NPCs or the monsters have levels then you can use math and, and figure out an encounter that's as challenging or not challenging as you want it to be. And that's a wonderful theory. And, and you know, that'd be great if that's actually how things went down. But in practice, I've never actually run a game that manages to make this dream a reality. In all the games I've run that, that have some kind of system like this, at best, it gives you a ballpark idea of how challenging an encounter will be. And honestly, most of the games I've run um, that have this, I wouldn't even say are that accurate. And, and I'm looking at you, D&D 5th Edition and Numenera, both of which I've used their, their encounter designs extensively and, and really don't give you any idea what to expect from an encounter using their systems as, as given. You really have no idea. And a lot of times they give you a wrong idea. You know, you're going into an encounter thinking this is going to be easy and it turns out really hard or deadly. Or you go into an encounter thinking it's going to be really hard and it turns out to be really easy. So that's not great. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, you know, using this system with these levels and you're doing all this math to figure out these encounters, 
And you're getting at best a ballpark idea of how challenging this encounter will be for your players, then I don't think you need the levels or this, you know, mathematical encounter balancing system because if at best you're getting a ballpark idea, you can do that without any of that stuff. You know, you can do that by just having some experience with the system, looking at things like action economy and, you know, how deadly is an attack going to be versus one of the player characters? How many times can they take a hit before they're down or dead? Um, that kind of thing. It's more of a, I don't know, you just get a feel for it and you kind of know what to look for, but there's no like numbers to crunch really. So for instance, again, you know, I keep coming back to Vampire and Changeling, two games I've really enjoyed running. Um, they have no levels. There, there are no levels in that game. Your, your characters don't have a level. The NPCs don't have a level. There, there's no such thing. Um, the old Star Wars game from West End Games had no levels. You just get XP and you spend that XP to get new abilities or increase the abilities that you have. And, and there are no levels. So that's the kind of thing I would want because ultimately the levels don't really, they don't really give you anything. So why have them? So the next thing I would like in my system is a system that does more than just simple binary pass fail when it comes to your roles that you're making to see what happens when you try to do something that uh, could be dramatic if it fails, because otherwise you shouldn't be rolling, right? That's my philosophy. So I prefer a system that gives you more than just pass fail and not just by adding in the possibility of a critical success or a critical failure, because that's still just pass fail. I want a system that can give you multiple gradations of pass and fail, as well as things like success with consequence or failure with advantages. So an example of a game that does this is the Fantasy Flight Star Wars games. But unfortunately, it does it through a proprietary dice system, which I don't like and I'll talk about later. And I also don't like that particular game's implementation of this idea. All of these possibilities degrees of failure or success, um, success with consequence or failure with advantages. Not only are all of these possibilities possible on every single role that you make, uh, they come up on every single role. So, so you have to deal with all these things with every single role and it gets very tedious and tiresome in play. And frankly, for the GM, it's just exhausting. Um, unless you ignore it more often than not, at which point, well, what's the point? If you're, if you have a system that, you know, eight rolls out of 10, you're just ignoring it. Um, it's not a very good system. So another thing I'm looking for is a game that's very clear about when to roll. And I just touched on this a second ago. Now, this is more of a thing of how the system is explained in the book and how it is taught than the actual system. But in my experience, most games um, have you rolling the dice way too much. This, again, is often more of a thing of an individual GM's approach to the game and how they run it than it is necessarily a part of the game's actual system. But, you know, a perfect example of what I'm talking about here is the D&D game where you're rolling perception constantly for every little thing. You know, the games that I've run or played that, that it explain this well you know, say something along the lines of you should only roll the dice when it's dramatic, when whether or not the character fails actually matters, when failing will, will be dramatic and interesting, when there's a real chance the characters can fail. So, you know, for instance, if the character is doing something they're really good at and there's really very little chance that they'd fail anyway, like you shouldn't have them roll for that. So yeah, again, that's not so much a thing of the system. It's more how the book is written but I would want a game that really um, spends a lot of time talking about that and really giving the GM an idea, a good idea of when you should call for dice rolls and when not. Also, ideally, my, my game system would have the GM either not rolling dice at all or the GM's roles would be simpler and quicker to resolve than the player's roles. So this isn't just a speed of play thing, although that's definitely part of it. But it's also about reducing the mental workload on the GM so the GM can focus on other things. Um, I do like games like Numenera where the GM doesn't roll at all. And you know that's something that I've noticed running Numenera is because I never have to roll dice, because I don't have to be sitting there 
you know, rolling a bunch of dice and adding modifiers and all that stuff, I have a lot more uh, mental bandwidth for doing other things that are more important anyway, like thinking about what the NPCs are going to do next or thinking about what's going to happen next or what's around the next corner, that kind of thing. But the only problem with that, with a game where the GM doesn't roll at all, is they tend to be more predictable than a game where the GM is rolling against the players because all the players have to worry about is their target number or whatever they're trying to accomplish with their die roll and then whatever their dice actually roll. And and that's it. And, you know, over the course of a game where you're rolling dice a lot of times, that gets pretty predictable. You kind of know, you know, your odds of success or failure. However, when the GM is rolling against the players, it adds an additional unknowable element that the players have to contend with because they don't know what the GM's going to roll. It just adds more randomness into it. But it could be that I can accomplish that, you know, adding that additional unknowable element through uh, the dice pool system I use, which I'll talk a bit about later. And in that case, I wouldn't need the GM to roll to, to achieve that. So, yeah, I guess that would be the ideal if I can figure out a way for the GM not to have to roll or not roll very much and still have the same level of unpredictability from the player's perspective that you get when the GM rolls, that that would be the ideal. But uh, if that's not possible or I can't figure out how to do that, then I would want the GM, when they roll, for their roles to be more simple and straightforward so it doesn't take a lot of thought on the GM's part to, to do their dice rolls. I also ideally want a system that is easy to learn, easy to teach, and easy to use. I mean, this one's pretty self-explanatory. I don't want a super crunchy system. I don't want to try to create a, quote, reality simulator. I personally prefer a system that's relatively simple at its core, but has a lot of room for variation on the fly during play to handle all kinds of situations that come up. A great example of this kind of system is, again, the, the World of Darkness system. Most roles in this system are made through a combination of an attribute, which in this system there are nine attributes. You have three physical attributes, three social attributes, and three mental attributes. And then uh, an ability, which are your talents, skills, and knowledges. So any given role, you take an attribute plus an ability. So there are standard combinations that you use all the time. For instance, if you wanted to shoot a gun, you'd use dexterity plus firearms. But the GM, or what's called the storyteller in these games, can use any combination that makes sense in a particular situation. So for instance, maybe to shoot a gun, you might ask for a perception plus firearms roll in the situation of a sniper who's taking time to set up the perfect shot. So this is exactly what I look for in a system. It's very simple and easy to grasp. It's very easy to teach it to new players, and they've usually got it. They've got the system figured out within a couple rolls. Compare that with, for instance, the Cypher system of Numenera, which is still a fairly simple system at its core, but it's much more difficult to teach to new players, and there's a bit more of a learning curve for a new player to get it, how the system works. So, you know, to compare, I'd say with Numenera, a new player usually has, for the most part, grokked the core system by the end of the first game session. Um, but a lot of times it takes that entire first game session for them to really get comfortable with it. Where with, say, Vampire, they figured it out after just a couple, two, three rolls, usually, because it's, it's really so simple and easy to understand. So these kinds of systems are also easier for GMs to run because instead of having to memorize or look up a bunch of very specific rules, you instead just memorize or, or understand one or a few core systems, and then you can creatively apply those systems to pretty much any situation that comes up during play, and you can just do that on the fly. You don't have to look stuff up, and I really like that. So ultimately, what I'm looking for is instead of coming up with a game that has all these different systems for everything under the sun. Instead, have a game with just a few systems that are robust and flexible enough that we can use them to apply to pretty much anything we can come up with that, that might come up. And then the, the final thing I'm looking for in the system, 
that I create or an ideal system that I find uh, before we get into actual dice mechanics is I would like a system with as much of a reward for system mastery as I can have while keeping all these other all these other desires in play. So I, you know, I, I want all the things I've talked about so far, but if I can have that and also have a system that rewards system mastery, that would be awesome. So this is probably pretty kind of pie in the sky uh, kind of stuff. And it may not be possible or realistic with the other constraints I'm, I'm wanting, but I would love a system that while it's inherently simple and easy to learn and, and all these other things, there is enough depth to it that a player who really digs into the system and really learns the nuances of the system and thinks about strategy and tactics can be rewarded for that. So, so there's more than what's just immediately apparent. Um, there is kind of a deeper level that players who are interested in that, who, who like system mastery, can dig into and benefit from. Maybe they get some advantages from that, but it's not required, right? For the players that don't care about that, they can just do things that, that are obvious and they're not going to get punished for it too much. And I think part of what, what's tricky about this is, you know, there's two things. On, on the one side, the systems that I've played that are that are simpler, you know, all these things that I've talked about, they're easy to teach, easy to learn. They have relatively few kind of core mechanics that are then broadly applied at least the ones that I've played seem to be lacking in this system mastery element. You know, I, I'd say the the White Wolf World of Darkness system is that's definitely true for. I would say Numenera that's definitely true for. You know, once you've grokked the system, there's really nothing else. There, there's not like a deeper level you can unlock um, by really getting into it. So that's one side. You, you know, if your system is easier to work with, then it kind of lacks that system mastery element. But on the other side of the spectrum, games that I've played that more had the system mastery element, and and the one I always think of on, on this side is uh, the original Pathfinder game. Those games go too far the other way in that once you have a player at the table who keys into that and, and starts unlocking that, everyone else at the table feels inadequate and so it quickly becomes a thing where now everybody feels they have to do that. And you you definitely have players that they don't want to do that. They don't want to sit and study or or go online and find out what is the optimal, you know, class and feat and ability and magic item combination to make the most ridiculous character um, in order to com- compete or even just keep up with the other characters at the table. So, you know, this is one of those things I don't really know if it's even possible. If you can kind of hit a sweet spot in the middle where you have a system that that is complex enough that that those that want to dig into it can can get some reward from that and and get some some gains from it, but not so much so that they now so much outclass everyone else that now it feels like everybody has to do that, even people that don't want to or they get left in the dust. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's possible. If you, if you know of a game that, that you think uh, achieves that, uh, I'd be interesting to hear uh, what it is and, and how that works. All right, so to wrap this up, we've, we've at this part point been, been talking mostly about kind of high-level stuff. So let's get a bit more into nitty-gritty and talk about the actual kind of dice mechanics I like and what I'm thinking as far as how dice would be used in this system. So this is another part where I have a bunch of things that I want, a lot of boxes I want to check, and I don't even know if it's actually possible (laughs) to design a system that does all these things. I've not tried to do it yet. I haven't gotten down into the trenches and actually tried to um, figure out exactly how this would work. I've tossed some ideas around, but I haven't like play tested anything. So I don't know if this is even possible, but this would be the ideal. So first of all, I like dice pools. I love games with dice pools. The only thing that better than rolling dice is rolling a bunch of dice. So that's the first thing I want. I want a game that uses dice pools, which is to say you're rolling multiple dice at one time. 
I also want a game that uses as many of the standard polyhedrals as possible without using any, quote, weird dice or proprietary dice. So although I love games that use dice pools, I'm not a huge fan of games that only use one type of die, which a lot of or even most of the games with dice pools that I've seen, that's what they do. So for example, the World of Darkness games, Vampire and Changeling, for example, only use D10s. So when you're playing that game, the only dice you're ever going to use are D10s. So yes, you get to roll a bunch of dice, but they're all D10s. So this means if you buy your dice in sets, which is what a lot of people do, you get these cool dice sets, right? Polyhedral dice set. Then a lot of those dice you're never going to use in this game. You're not going to use your D4s, D6s, D8s, D12s, or D20s at all. It also means that you're going to have to go out and buy a bunch of D10s, usually individually, which usually costs more per die than, than buying in a set. Um, not always. So you're going to have to go out and buy a bunch of D10s. Another example of a game like this is the old West End Games uh, Star Wars game, which only used D6s. So same kind of thing. You, you only use D6s in that game. You never use another kind of die. Now, at least those are a more common dice, and you can buy like bricks of D6s, so you don't have to go buy each die individually to, to play that game. But you still have you know the same problems of if you're buying sets of dice, most of them you're never going to use. Uh, another example, uh, Numenera uses only a D20 and a D6. And occasionally, you'll roll percentile 2D10. But yeah, you're not going to use the other dice in your set at all in that game. So at least with that game, you're, you're good. You, know, you can just buy one set of dice and you're good, but you're not going to use all of them. Now, even worse than, than a, a game that only uses one kind of dice or only a few kinds of dice are games with proprietary dice. And I, I know some people love these games and you know that's great for you, but I do not. I am not at all a fan of proprietary dice. So the worst of these games that I've played personally is the Fantasy Flight games, like the Star Wars games. I, I think they also have uh, their, their fantasy games that use the same or similar dice in which you basically have to buy their proprietary dice to play the game. Now, technically... You can use normal polyhedral dice, and they have charts that you can use to do that, but it would be a huge pain in the ass to do that. It's really going to slow down gameplay to do that. So, you know, that's not really, that's not really a good option in, in my mind. So the problem with these proprietary dice is you can only buy dice from Fantasy Flight Games for this game. And, you know, unlike every other set of polyhedral dice on the planet... You only have one option, at least the last time I played the game, you only had one option as far as the color and design of your dice. And let's face it, they're, they're not great looking dice at all. They're some of the ugliest dice I've ever seen. They're, they're like the cheapest generic dice you could get. So, you know, you can't use all those awesome metal dice or gemstone dice or dice made from crystallized unicorn tears that you bought from a Kickstarter or at a game store or at Gen Con or whatever. Like you can't use any of those awesome dice that you've gotten and collected. You have to use their crappy, shitty <laughs> proprietary dice. And that's a real drag, right? I mean, a lot of us collect dice and, and that's part of the fun of this hobby is getting to use these cool dice. And a game like the Star Wars games, nah, you have to leave all those at home. You can't use them. Unless, again, you want to burn a bunch of time cross-referencing this annoying chart to figure out what your dice are rolling. And considering how long it takes to educate dice rolls in that game already, you don't want to do that. Another example of a game with this problem is any fate or fudge-based game. Now, this isn't quite as bad as with the Fantasy Flight games because it is easier to use normal D6 for these games than it is to try to use normal polyhedrals with the Fantasy Flight games. But it's still going to be a bit of a pain to do that. And, you know, if you're playing a fate game a lot, you're going to want actual fate dice. You're just going to. Um, another way this is a little better is there are other manufacturers out there who make these kinds of dice. So there is a little more variety that can be had as far as what your fate dice look like. But it's still not going to be anything like, you know, the variety that, that you can get with normal polyhedrals. So my ideal game doesn't use any kind of proprietary dice. 
and it uses as many or preferably all of the standard polyhedral set as possible. So ideally it uses D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, D20, and percentile 2D10. That's what we're looking for. So the next thing as far as dice mechanics is I would like little or better yet no math involved in the play of the game. I really don't like games where you have to roll a die or dice and then add bonuses or subtract penalty modifiers. It's slow and clunky, and that's assuming everyone at your table is good at math. If you have someone at the table who isn't so good at math, and maybe they need some help adding all this stuff together, it not only makes the game pace glacial at that point, but it also makes that player feel bad because they know they're the one slowing everything down for everybody else. Also, they just don't enjoy doing math. And even a lot of people that are decent or even good at math don't really enjoy doing it. I mean, we're playing these games for fun, right? Not to practice our arithmetic. I also don't like dice pool games where you roll a bunch of dice and then add them together for the same reasons. So this would be like the the West End Games Star Wars game where you rolled all these D6s and then you had to add them all together. That really sucked. I do like dice pool games, though. I love shaking a bunch of dice in my hand and throwing the bones and seeing what happens. So, you know, maybe I could do something like the White Wolf games where you're looking for a target number on each die and then you're counting successes. So you're not having to add anything. What I've really been leaning toward, though, is having a a dice pool that's composed of different polyhedrals that you're rolling at the same time. And each polyhedral means or relates to something distinctly different. So you don't have to add them at all. They're each... Each separate number on a different shape diet is telling you a different thing about what's happening. So I don't know. Maybe you're rolling like a D20, a D6, and a D8 in your dice pool. Maybe the D20 is your pass-fail element. Maybe the D6 represents some possibility of a complication, good or bad. And I don't know. Maybe the D8 represents something else entirely. Maybe it's the damage if it's an attack roll or, or something like that. So that's the idea anyway. So you might end up, you know, having to look up the results or of one or two of the dice on a table or something like that. But the idea is if I had something like that, that would be the smaller dice, like the D4 or the D6. So, you know, that table would be pretty short. And after you played the game for a while, you just have it memorized. And yeah, you're never having to add dice together. So as far as dice mechanics, I want all these things. And also I want it to be fast. So I'd like to check all those other boxes but also speed of play should be really fast and, and that's the ideal. I, I don't want rolling the dice to slow things down, preferably at all or at least not any more than necessary. So ideally you grab your dice and the system knowing what to roll is pretty simple, fast and straightforward. You roll your dice and you can inter- interpret that roll in a couple seconds, assuming you're proficient with the system. So if you imagine a typical D&D roll where you roll the dice then you check your bonuses and you add subtract modifiers to get your final number. I want something significantly faster than that and also less brain drain. Even if you're good at it, doing math is brain drain, especially for the GM who probably has to do math in these games about four times as much as any player does, if not more. So yeah, that's it. That's what I came up with as far as my design considerations for my ideal system. So what do you think? Do you think this is even possible or is it impossible? Could I come up with a system that does all these things and is still something fun to play that people would want to play? Is there perhaps a system already out there that you know of that you think checks all these boxes? If so, let me know. I I definitely have not played or seen every system that's out there. So if there's one out there that already exists uh, that sounds like what I'm talking about, I would really love to check it out. Ultimately, I would love to create this system someday and use it to play games in my Cylinder City setting. That would be awesome. I think the cool thing about the system is that it wouldn't necessarily inherently be tied to a certain genre or a certain type of game. For example, I think class-based games work fine for fantasy games, and maybe that's only because that's what we're used to with D&D, but they never made much sense to me for modern or science fiction games. Like, 
having a game set in modern times or having a science fiction game that uses classes just always felt really bizarre to me and, and didn't make any sense. So I've definitely seen games that check some or even a lot of these boxes. Um, for instance, the, the World of Darkness system you know, hits a lot of them, but I've yet to find one that hits them all. Maybe someday I'll find one or maybe someday I'll create it myself. Right, so that is going to wrap up this episode of Game Master's Journey. Thank you again for for joining me. I, I hope you uh, enjoyed my my discussion of my dream game system. If you have any comments on any of this or any thoughts at all, I would love to hear from you. What is your favorite RPG system that you've run or played, and why? Let me know. You can email me at gamemastersjourney at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Lex Starwalker, and you can call my voicemail, 951-465-5391. You can also join our community on Discord, and that's a great place if you want to uh, network with other GMs and players and, and talk about your favorite RPGs. That would be a great place to do so. You can find links to our Discord server in the show notes at lexstarwalker.com slash GMJ for Game Master's Journey. So thank you again for tuning in. And I really hope I hear from you about your thoughts on my ideal game system and and whether you think that's possible and doable and and whether you think that would be a fun system to play and or run. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you if if you know of a good system that, that hits a lot or even all of these boxes especially if it's one you haven't talked to heard me talk about on the show, I probably don't know about it and uh, might want to check it out. So yeah, I, I'd really love to hear from you. So uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be soon or back soon with, with another episode. Uh, I'm not sure what the next topic will be. If you have any ideas, let me know. But if nothing else, uh, I can come back when uh, Craig and I are ready to talk some about his mage chronicle. But uh, until then, I hope you have a chance to play your favorite RPG. I hope you have a chance to run your favorite RPG. I'll be back soon with another episode of Game Master's Journey. Until then, game on. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality gaming and hobby podcasts. This episode's music, courtesy of Cloudwalker, Transboy, Renfield, Stanko, and Ish. See the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com slash Game Master's Journey. Journey.